Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or VEDS, which I also have. Today I have Morgan with me who's going to share her son's story and her own experience with VEDS and she's from Texas. Hey Morgan. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have you share your story. Um, I know we've talked about your story a little bit before, but I'm really excited for you to share it. So thank you for your willingness to do so. Of course, I'm excited to share what uh, we've been through. (laughs) (laughs) So your son, Cameron, has beds. Yes. When did you find that out and how old is he now? Um, he is 11 years old right now. And uh, we got the diagnosis uh, July 23rd of 2019. So it's only been a little over a year. Wow. And what, what led to that? Um, originally, um, so his dad, um, Mike, uh, he passed away in 2001 from uh, an aortic dissection, and he was 21 years old. Um, and it was sudden. Uh, there was nothing leading up to it, anything like that. He just had pain in his chest, um, like, late at night. And he went with a close friend uh, to the emergency room. And uh, he was complaining that he needed help. He needed somebody to, you know, give him, like, medicine to make the pain go away or what's going on. And um, they unfortunately did not believe that his pain was real. Um, The vibe we kind of got was that they were thinking he just wanted pain meds like it was two 21 year olds that came in the middle of the night and they uh unfortunately discharged him he went back to the house he was staying with his uh close friend at the time and um i believe he was in the shower and he had sudden pain and fell and uh we believe that's when the dissection happened uh his friend called 911 and uh, his friend's mom was there as well and uh, the ambulance took him to the hospital that he had actually just left within like an hour before Mm. um, that he was just discharged from so uh, he went to the hospital and unfortunately did not make it it was too late at that point um, because of the dissection so we went to the hospital. We, we didn't know anything was wrong at the time. They were doing uh, compressions on him to keep him alive. And I just remember that one of the doctors, she came into the room that me and uh, his parents were in. She said, um, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do. And my reaction, I guess I'm just this type of person. I started yelling at her. <laughs> uh, I know that's not the right thing to do. Um, but I started yelling, you know, he has a two year old, how could you let you have to do something you can't let him die. Like, I just started yelling. Mm-hmm. And everybody else in the room, um, his friend was there as well. And his friend's mom uh, was just they were kind of beside themselves. Uh, we waited for his sister to get there. And 
so that she could say goodbye to. And uh, so he passed, and they did an autopsy. Um, they did not genetically test him for anything, so he was never genetically tested. We don't have any confirmation of his uh, testing. But at the time, they put on his autopsy high blood pressure as like a partial cause of mm. death and then um, possible Marfan syndrome. So that was like our first inkling that there was anything connective tissue wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then after that, I was, um, at the time I was 19. Uh, so his dad was 21, just the people doing math. Yes, my son was uh, two and a half. So I did, we did have him when I was in high school. Um, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd get that out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I, within like a month of him passing, I made arrangements to get him to see a geneticist. And we went in to see geneticist and I believe cardiology when he was two and a half. And they looked him over. It was like four doctors. They We were in there for an hour, just, you know, everything about him and doing all the different tests that I think most people with beds have gone through. Like, are you bendy and is your skin this and does mm-hmm. your chest cave in, all the things. And they said they didn't think he had anything, but they would test him for Marfan syndrome, which they did a blood test, and of course that came back negative. So after that, they told us, well, he probably doesn't have anything, and his dad probably died of something like a fluke thing, so just get him an echo and an EKG every year to make sure nothing's wrong, and he'll probably never need like any further assistance in his future. So that's what I did. <laughs> wow. How many years did you do that? Um, I, I took him like religiously every single year to get his EKG and his echo. He was two and a half when Mike passed and it was until he was uh, nine. Mm-hmm. And I guess I took him so religiously. Like I, I never felt like we actually had an answer. I, I never felt like I knew why Mike died. Right. Like, it just didn't make sense. Um, he, yes, he was 21. He drank and he smoked cigarettes and like most 21-year-olds. <laughs> but it just didn't add up, like, why we didn't really have an answer. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start searching again for more answers or become kind of dissatisfied enough to dig into it more? So when he was at his nine-year echo and EKG, um, we were going in because he had to have the... We went in earlier in the year because he had to have a form filled out. He was going to do tackle football. And yes, everybody's going to (laughs) cringe listening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that somebody with beds was signed up for tackle football. <laughs> um, <laughs> he did do tackle football the year before, um, which he was never tackled for some odd reason. He played some, I think it's called like a cornerback. I don't know football, but he played something where you catch the ball, but he ended up never getting tackled the whole season. Wow. Um, we just got super lucky is my only 
assumption on that. And so we went the following year, we had to get this done. We had to get the paper signed so that he could sign up. And the um, cardiologist was a new one just because of logistics. I had to take him to like a different location because of work and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that cardiologist, I said, so do you think he's good, you know, for football? Do you believe he's good? She's like, well, I'll sign the form. I said, well, no. Do you think that he is like fit to play? Do you, is there any worries that you have? And she said, well, I can tell you that the EKG and the echo show that he has normal, you know, blood flow and everything's working. But I can't tell you that the tissue holding those things together is strong. Hmm. And I was like, well, how do I find out whether they are? And she said, well, you need to go get more genetic testing done. And I was like, okay, well, can you put in a referral? And she said, yes. So she put in a referral and I got a call from Texas Children's um, a couple weeks later, I think. And they, on the phone, they didn't have an appointment for like, I think it was like nine months. Wow. And I was like, okay. And while I was on the phone with her, she actually goes, oh, that's strange. We just had a cancellation. Um, we have an appointment in two weeks. Would you like to take that? And I was like, yep, sign me up. <laughs> um, so we went in and um, we saw another like team of four doctors and they looked him over and they, they do all the things that they did kind of the first time that we went in. Mm -hmm. um, and all of them, again, said he doesn't look like he has anything, uh, which was interesting. <laughs> and they said, but we will do a full genetic panel of all connective tissue disorders. So I was like, okay. So he did the spit in the little tube and they sent it off. And um, I believe it was two weeks. I got a call on my way home from work. I had a long drive commute to um, where I live. And it was a geneticist that called me. And I remember she said, um, the test came back and he has something called vascular EDS. And I guess I was just naive in that moment. And to show how I, naive I was, um, my first question was, so can he play football? <laughs> and she was like, no. <laughs> so how long after that did it take to get him into the doctor? And how did you react to that once you realized? Um. It was very quick. So on the phone call while I was driving home, she explained to me the very, very basics of vascular EDS. I mean, what you can cram into like a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and it really hit me what like the severity. And it wasn't when I Googled it or, you know, those things didn't help, of course. But um, it was when she said, we would like you to come in tomorrow at your leisure and the doctor will clear any appointments out of the way when you have time to come in tomorrow. Mm. And it was very jarring to me because it's like two weeks prior, they hadn't had an appointment available for months. And now they're clearing the scheduling so that we can come in at our leisure. And I'm so thankful that they are that way. But at the same time, it was like, this is not good. So we, we went in the next day, and they, um, they're fantastic at Texas Children's. Can't say enough good things about them. They're helpful when you need them and everything. But we went in. They explained 
all of it to us and they gave us um all the information to get connected with people so they actually gave us the information for uh the marfan foundation mm-hmm. they gave us the facebook groups to join they gave us another person in the veg community for me to reach out to to start like asking questions uh more than i have heard other people get which is great and um it was really really difficult at first i found myself like i always say that i i mourned it i mourned the diagnosis i found myself like in tears uh random times throughout the day for about a month just Mm -hmm. trying to come to terms with like I don't know, the why is it us, or the um, how is this going to work, or I guess every question that everybody goes through. Yeah. How did you cope with that? Um, I tried to first just make all the plans for the scans and everything. We, we got all the scans done within um, the first month, which was really, really good, um, just to get a baseline. Mm-hmm. And I just tried to focus on that, but I was, I was kind of lost for a little while. I will say I probably talked my, uh, one of my work friends ears off. <laughs> I remember apologizing to her. Uh, we used to take walks, um, back and forth in the morning while we had coffee just to, you know, talk for 10 minutes. And that was all I could talk about was, I was researching, I was looking at things and I was, what's this? And you know, what doctors are doing research and what's going to happen and the different, how do genes work or, and, uh, I said, I'm sorry, this is all I talk about. She's like, no, you need to talk about it. That's awesome that you had a coworker that was able to do that for you. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it does. I mean, that feeling kind of takes over no matter where you are and, you don't really get to stop working. Yeah, you you can't really like stop your life because of the diagnosis and it's it's very difficult and I think the other thing that was difficult was that I did tell I had to tell Cameron what he had cuz I had to tell him he was quitting football. Mm-hmm. I had to tell him what could happen to him like in certain situations like if you feel this pain you need to tell me, or if this happens, you need to tell me, or you need to call 911, you need to wear this bracelet now that has uh, emergency information. Um, and he he was very upset at first. Um, in like the first couple of days, he was um, almost kind of angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even told the doctors when they first asked him when we went in the next day, they asked him, you know, how are you dealing with it? And he said, I'm kind of mad. And they said, well, that's fair. Um, but he, I wanted him to be aware and he's probably one of the most knowledgeable about his disorder, 11 year olds in the VEDS community, which has its pros and cons. It's a good thing because he knows what to tell me when something's wrong and he can be his own advocate mm-hmm. even at this young age, but it is difficult because he knows what happened to his dad. Um, he knows what death means, which most children don't. And it does scare him. 
how is he, I mean, he's not here to tell us himself, but, you know, from a parent's perspective, how has he coped with that? Like, what does he do? Um, he did find a new sport, so he started doing golf, which was great. He really, really likes golf, so that was a big positive, and um, he's kind of good at it, too, <laughs> so he could win. <laughs> um, Always a plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, I think I think he keeps a lot of it inside but he does talk to me about it he'll reach out just to me he doesn't talk to anybody else about it i've asked him if he wants to talk to a counselor or you know anything and he says no i just want to talk to you and um i think he still has a hard time with it like i i don't know if you ever really get over the diagnosis because you're living with it every day but he he'll say things that can be jarring to somebody like uh he a couple months ago he said we were talking about doing something in the future and i was like oh well we'll do that you know in a couple years like we're not gonna do that right now and he said well i want to do it now because i might not live as long as my other friends and it was like no you i always come back with it you don't know what you're gonna do you don't know how long you're gonna live you can live to 100 years old you don't know you don't know what technology is going to do or any of it he's like yeah you're right so he kind of is very matter of fact about it sometimes. That has to be such a heartbreaking moment for a parent. Yeah, it makes your heart kind of sink into your stomach when you first hear it. You're just like, no, no, don't. Like, I, I want to say, don't think that, but you can't say that because he, he's trying to deal with what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that he can talk to you about it. I think that's a really important thing. Yeah, I I think that it's a positive that at least he can speak to me about it when he's worried or um, just, I don't know, wants to mention it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that at his school, he does not tell anybody. So the teachers know I've done the 504 and I've done... I've met with every single teacher every year and told them everything. I make the health alert sheet, everything we're supposed to do. But the kids, he doesn't like them knowing. Um, because last year in fifth grade, the kids started making fun of him or poking fun because he didn't have to do the things in gym class. He didn't have to do the push-ups or the sit-ups. And they said, oh, your teacher's pet, your brown noser, you don't have mm. to do it all this stuff and so we decided that we should tell the grade what he had so that they would stop and we did that and the you know taunting did stop but it developed a different problem because now he was that kid that you know might die or you know they, he became a different thing not that they were taunting him for it but they were almost scared of him so this year he went into middle school, a new school, new kids, and um, he didn't want anybody to really know. Wow. What a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is tough. And like, what, a, what an adult decision to just kind of have to make for yourself at such a young age. Yeah, he, he's very mature for his age, and he is a great kid. He 
does the right thing. He gets all A's. He he tries so hard in everything he does. And so I I see that he's doing fine. Like in life in general, it's it's not affecting him to a point that it's interrupting his life. And that's the biggest positive for me is that he's having a quality of life. And I know that you also are doing some advocacy work now, right? Yes, I definitely am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how did that, tell me how that started. How long um, after diagnosis it started and really what inspired you and what you started doing? So when he was having his scans, we had to be at the hospital for like a couple hours because he also got, um, I signed him up to do the studies as well for the couple different studies that they're doing for VEDS. Mm -hmm. So we were waiting in the uh, eatery area in the hospital and having lunch. And um, I was on my computer because I wanted to make a shirt for a race that I was going to do. I, I had run one marathon or two marathons prior and so I was a runner and I was like well what if I made a shirt for VEDS you know for the running and it doesn't have to be elaborate or anything it just started off with this very very simple idea um and I was like well what would the shirt even say and I'm like oh marathons are kind of hard but VEDS is harder so <laughs> um I was like well if only life with vascular EDS was as easy as running a marathon. And I think most people with beds would attest that they would much rather run a marathon one time than, you know, live with beds. Um, absolutely. So I, yeah. <laughs> I would just like to say absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you train, <laughs> you'd be ready. <laughs> um, so I decided to make the shirt and I was like, well, what if a couple people wanted to buy them? And I could donate the money to, you know, help with, you know, research or supporting the vets community. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. And it kind of went further because people bought them and people then donated, you know, besides buying the shirt, they donated to it. And um, I ended up raising um, with my company's match uh, $5,300. Wow. In just the first couple months. And then I ran the marathon. And then I ran a half marathon <laughs> in the shirts. And um, so that was the running part uh, that I will continue to do um, in the future. I have a couple more races coming up in January, February, and March. I've got, um, I believe, four races in total uh, lined up. <laughs> wow. So that'll be fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I would have I would have done more throughout, but you know, COVID, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of disrupted things. Yeah. And uh, then around January, right after I had run the race, I started trying to think of what could I do on top of that. I wanted to do more, um, and I thought at the time, well, uh, what a lot of people complain about is in the vets community is that when you have an emergency, nobody knows what it is. You know, whether or not you have the diagnosis, no one knows what you mean when you say you have vascular EDS. So I just thought, well, if I could go and tell people what it is and how to handle it in emergency situations um, to EMT, first responders, um, paramedics, then at least the first 20 minutes 
of that emergency would be handled correctly. And it would give the person that's in that predicament that may be unconscious or not able to say what's wrong with them, the ability to have the first responder be their advocate when they Mm -hmm. go into the hospital and they hand them over because my fiance is a first responder and he uh, has told me that when you, you know, put the person over to the hospital, you explain what happened. So if that first responder could say they have something called vascular EDS, they need this, they cannot have that, and you need to basically believe them, (laughs) it would be a huge help. So I I created like a little training program um, that it was a 15-minute discussion that I gave or um, presentation, I should say, Mm -hmm. and I made a um, handout to give to each of them. Um, And I know that most of them will have heard me and may forget half of what I said, but at least they've heard of it. Um, So I ended up, so far I've trained uh, 35 first responders and my plan was to train more and I hope to in the future. But when I did that, it was the week before COVID became huge. Yeah. Um, So I didn't go any further with it at the time. It's still really, really great. Like, honestly, your words there ring so true to me. Like, I always feel like the first responders can be your best advocates in an emergency. Yes. And I think that's so great what you've what you've done and what I know you will continue to do when it's safe and smart to do so. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And um, and I in the summer, my company, um, they gave an opportunity for people to do nominations um, for a community spirit award. And we have just in our part of the company, about 20,000 employees. And so they chose out of the nominations that came in and I ended up so excited, (laughs) won (laughs) the award. And I was able to give $7,500 to the vets movement. That is so awesome. I mean, I already knew this piece of information, but (laughs) I like, I just, I want to say how grateful I am, not only for the donation to the vets movement, but also like 20,000 employees or coworkers like saw information about vets, right? Yeah. And they had me do a video about what I had done during the year um, and about the condition and the video was sent um, throughout the company to all employees worldwide and as well as the Vets Movement website so that they could go in and research more. And I actually, since it came out um, about a month ago, I've gotten many emails from people saying that they had never heard of it and they went to the website and researched it and how awful and you know, very, they were very kind words and all, but it did show that people went to learn more. Just the people that emailed me that felt comfortable enough to reach out to me and tell me they did. There's another group that didn't reach out, but still did the research. Mm -hmm. That is, that is really incredible, Morgan. Like all of this has really been in, you said it was July last year that he was diagnosed. Yeah. July 23rd. (laughs) So you've been like booking it, getting this yes. stuff accomplished and 
I really think, you know, you really deserve a round of applause because it takes a lot to get through this diagnosis in itself. Um, I can't speak to how it feels for a parent, but I've heard from other parents and know myself personally what the diagnosis feels like. And you have really just done amazing things in a short period of time with that. Thank you. That means a lot to have you think it's great because you do run the vets movement. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but it, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, have admired even this podcast. I found it, um, the first day when we found out they actually gave me, um, the podcast name in the paperwork. Oh, uh, wow. The, the day that we found out. And they, um, one of the doctors that many people know said that she listens to it when she goes through her paperwork and she finds it very interesting. And she thought that I should look into it. I was like, I will (laughs) 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 listen to many, many episodes. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It really means Uh, a lot too. And I, I think the whole thing of, like you said, I started booking it or I, <laughs> I started doing a lot all at once. I, I think I'm just the type of personality that um, I've always been a very determined person. And that's the nice word. Some, you know, some situations I, the word people would use is stubborn or <laughs> hard headed. <laughs> um, but I'll go with the nice one. Uh, and I've, I've just been the type that I can't sit back idly and not do anything. I, I can't do, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical background. I can't do it all. But, um, you know, I joined the, the VEDS movement committee to put the event on and I can run and I can go talk to first responders in the Houston area that where people are coming from all over to have scans done and to have surgeries and to, you know, have procedures here that have VEDS Mm -hmm. and to just give people a fighting chance. It means a lot to me. Um, And I'd say in the end it is for Cameron, of course. Um, I, I want to know that I did everything that I could within my power to help him. And If it wasn't enough, at least I know I tried. You know, at a certain point, you you get very blunt in your thinking. And I think a lot of people probably do, and they don't say it out loud. But to say it out loud, I'm going to do whatever I can to save my son's life. And if that means I need to run five marathons, then I'm going to do it. And if that means I need to join committees and help people and talk to people and put myself out there even when it's uncomfortable I'm going to do it and I think most parents would for their kids that's really well spoken like amazing work that you're doing thank you you know it's it's interesting because you know like everybody copes with something in a different way and like you said like you can't sit and do nothing 
and obviously you're a marathon runner so yeah <laughs> even I, sitting down might be not everybody should just start running those <laughs> do not advise it <laughs> but like what a what a great way to to take something that you're already doing and expand it into something more yeah you know i just think it's really wonderful and I really appreciate everything you've you've done in the short period of time for the community. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> is there anything that this is the final question? Is there anything that you would tell somebody who is a newly like diagnosed parent of a child, you know, who's like just found out their child has this? Is there anything you'd want them to know that you've learned over the last year? I'd say don't be too hard on yourself at first because you, you you kind of you almost expect yourself to you got to get on with life you got to get over it or um, I found myself being really hard like uh, just trying to rush that mourning process don't rush it you need to deal with the emotions that come with this and if that takes a year then that takes a year. And if that takes longer or shorter, then that takes longer or shorter. And you need to handle it the way you handle it because everybody mourns differently. Um, so I've heard a lot of people use the word, give yourself like grace. Um, I think that's a great way to explain it. Um, and also listen to what your child has to say. Um, for a long time, I didn't believe that like the before the VEDS diagnosis, I didn't believe some of the pains he was having were any different than any other kid because I didn't have other kids. And But he has osteoarthritis in all of his joints. Um, he has subluxations happen. He now goes to physical therapy. So it's hard sometimes to get out of your own head in the diagnosis, but it does help to talk to your child if they're old enough about what they're feeling and how they're handling it. And um, if you feel the urge to do something, reach out. I mean, there's a lot of us out here um, in the community that want to help, and we would definitely find something for <laughs> you to help with. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there's not a short order on that. Um, and, and get involved in the community. I, I got involved in the Facebook groups within a couple days of the diagnosis, and it's very hard at first because it's very real. People are posting things that are happening to them because they are happening and they're looking for help and support. So, you know, take a moment to um, take that in, that it's going to be uh, a bit of a shock, and then you can rely on the community. Um, something that I really believe with this VEDS community is that it is very strong. And these people really do fight for each other. There are people across the United States that somebody's posting on there, or across the world even, um, I'm having this pain or I'm doing this. And someone will post back you know, a comment um, go to a hospital, here's this person's number, what do you need me to help you with, um, you know, praying for you. There's just immediate assistance. And it's the entire vibe of the community is that people genuinely care. They genuinely care about each other, making it through this. And it's 
become such a big family unit um, in a sense. So I would go into the community with open arms and, and try to embrace that. Yeah. And if you need help finding that community, feel free to reach out to me on this podcast or go to thevedsmovement.org. You'll find a help and resource center there where you can reach out and we can get you connected. Yes. Thank you so much again, Morgan, for sharing your experience and Cameron's and your and Mike's. Of course. I'm very happy that I got to share with everybody and um, I hope it helps somebody. I know it will. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Katie, your host, and there will be new episodes on the last Sunday of every month, so stay tuned and have a, have a great day. We'll see you soon.